Let me start out this morning with a reading. Now the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him, but he said, Father, look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. And it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother, this, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, and he is found. Well, good morning, friends and uh, people here that are with us online today. Um, and uh, if you're new to us today, maybe this is the first time that you've been here, maybe you're watching us online, I want you to know, uh, whether you're online or, or whether you're present here, or whether you're a, a Republican or a Democrat, whether you're black, white, brown, or yellow, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you consider yourself gay or straight or some other letter, um, whether you love Jesus already or maybe you're just not sure about him yet, I want you to know for sure today that you are loved by God, our Father. And he's, you're also loved by us, his church. And, and we're today in Luke 15. And if you're unsure today whether God loves you, I encourage you to read Luke 15 every day this week. I've been reading it for the last month, and I'm more convinced of God's love for me than ever. So, so read it every day this week and, until you believe it. Now, Jesus authored this God's love letter to you. Today's a final message in our series, You Turn for Joy in Luke 15, and I want you to remember something, that before Jesus started telling his parable, the text says this, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. The religious people were unhappy that Jesus was hanging around with what they considered to be the worst of sinners. And, and so I believe that this whole parable we've been studying is mostly directed at them or us, his church. And, and, and last week, we, we learned about a son who was extremely sinful in his flesh. And, 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 and then at some point, he came to himself and, and he turned back to the father and he was forgiven and he was fully restored to the family. And, and, and that parable is an embryo of the gospel of Jesus' message to the world. And the section we are looking at of that parable today is specifically to the religious in Jesus' audience. Jesus loves them. And yet he, he strongly is pointing out the danger that they were in. And so today, let's, let's look close at his word in, in, in Luke 15. And we're going to start in verse 25. And it says, now the older son was in the field. Now, the older brother... Um, was found working hard. Not like the, the sinful son that was found, you know, going off and having fun. He never left and, and blew his inheritance on wild living. Uh, this big bro did what he was supposed to do. He, he paid his taxes. He, he went to church. He, he worked hard. He took care of things. And, and he was a responsible man. Big bro feels justified in himself. And as I said in the beginning, that God loves everyone here. But let me ask you something. How many of you consider yourselves a sinner? Okay. You know, that, a sinner is someone who's departed from God's moral law. And every, pretty much everybody raised their hand, I think, in this room. Now, let me ask you the question another way. How many of you feel that your sin, whatever your sins may be, is enough to condemn you to punishment and everlasting hell. Whatever your sins would be. How many people believe that? That your sins, whatever they may, might be, 
Without Jesus, is there enough to condemn you to everlasting hell? See, or, or, or do you believe, because the hands were slower going up that time. Do, do you believe that it was, oh, just a little mistake? Uh, oh, just a, a mistake in my judgment, a failure, an oops, or, or temporary insanity of my youth, right? Is, is that, I mean, is that really how you think about your sin? You know, the, in the first part of the parable, the younger son came to himself and said, I have sinned against my good father and against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Seems to me he agrees that his sin was enough to condemn him to hell and everlasting punishment, and, and he's starving, and, and, he, and he recognizes he put himself there. And, and so he seeks forgiveness from his father. And, you know, the son probably already feels because of his sin like he's in hell because of his choices. But, but this older brother, the big bro, he feels like he's doing just fine. He thinks, hey, I do the right things. I'm like my wayward little brother over there. Come on, I'm not sleeping around. I ain't killed nobody. Okay, maybe my attitude sometimes is not so great. Maybe I, I, I mess up once in a while, but I'm good. And isn't that the attitude of a lot of people out there? Hey, I, I don't need to repent like my little brother. I'm the good bro. Today's message is Big Bro, Prodigal. In your Bible, you may see the title Prodigal Son, but it should say Prodigal Sons. Most people think of the younger brother as a prodigal. The word prodigal means someone who is reckless and spends money or wastes what is of value. And today, I hope you'll see the little brother wasted earthly wealth but the big brother is wasting something so much more valuable, true eternal treasure, because of his attitudes. He feels justified in his sin. Now, the big brother is in the field. He's working. And, and while it appears like he's doing the right thing at the moment by working for the father, he's not obedient to the father. He, he, he's actually departing from the father in sin. Big bro hears uh, a great celebration happening in his father's house for his little bro. And, and he doesn't even care to go into his father's house to see what everybody's so joyful about. You know, ge geographically, the, the big bro may be nearer to his father, but he is in a distant relational country away from his father's heart. There, there's, there's something blocking the big bro from going to himself and into the house and, and, and sharing in his father's joy. Verse 26 says this, and he called one of the servants. And he asked what, what all these things meant. What's going on in there? He, he, he works in the father's field. He doesn't even know what makes his father joyful. He will not even spend enough time to go in and find out from his father what's going on. Because he's good. He's the good one. He's, he's out there making the family's business successful. And, and, and maybe it could be because he received two-thirds of his inheritance while the little bro who asked dad for it inappropriate got his one-third and he went off and blow, blow, blew it. So... Is it possible now that the big bro that he got all he wanted doesn't care anymore about his dad or his little bro? Basically, his dad is dead to him. To him, it's useless and foolish to care about this wasteful little brother. But friends, that's exactly how the Pharisees feel, the ones who grumbled about Jesus and the other sinners saying that he is eating with tax collectors and sinners. Verse 27 says, He said to him, Your, your brother has come, and your, your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Wow. 
his little brother who was lost in a different, distant country and was almost starving. He was lost. He's not only not lost anymore, but he's safe. He's out of the danger he was in. He, he, he didn't have any unrepairable damage done to him. As a big bro, shouldn't he, he he'd be joyful at the news and, and run in and celebrate? But verse 28 says there's a problem. There's a problem with the heart or the attitude of the big bros. Problem that all of us big bros and big sisters can have sometimes. Verse 28 says, but he was angry and he refused to go in. He was angry. Did he have the right to be angry? Yes. He had the right to be angry. His little brother just took off and left him with all the work. His little brother had hurt his dad's heart. His little brother had wasted his time and his father's time too. His father's dad is just, he thinks, foolishly watching for his worthless brother to come home. And, And he's angry. Why is he angry? Because sinners are expensive. Sinners are expensive emotionally and financially. And and you all know that's true. How many of you have sinners in your life and in your family that cost you a lot either emotionally or or, or physically or or, or financially? I, I bet we all have relatives or friends or or neighbors that just don't have their act together, so they're a lot of work. Anybody else have people like that in your life? Maybe they have a drug habit, and they tend to use people like you. Maybe they're always borrowing money or worse, stealing from you. Maybe they just don't have the habit or inclination to work, so they take advantage of your ability to focus and work. And, and, and maybe they live in ways that seem foolish to your values, and, and maybe they support Uh, political causes that you feel tear down the very fabric of our society that we live in. The truth is, they just make you angry. Like the big bro here. Friends, it's okay. It's okay to be angry at sin. Sin is serious. Jesus, God's son, was murdered for it. That's how serious sin is. Sin has a significant cost to our lives. The Bible says this, though. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. See, anger is not sin. The Bible says, be angry. We should be angry about unjust, sinful behavior towards our Father God. But that's not at all it says. And this is what sometimes us religious big bros often do not hear or refuse to hear and do not sin. That's the rest of the verse. Be angry and, and, and do not sin. See, anger is just a, an emotion we rightfully feel when we're sinned against or, or when we feel the cost of someone's sin is costing somebody else we love or our society a hard time. But, but the big brother got angry, but he didn't do the do not in this verse. He didn't do the do not. He, he sinned. He became bitter against his brother, the fleshly sinner. And Jesus is often rebuking the Pharisees for cleaning the outside of the cup, you know, their, 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 the flesh on the outside, but their heart, their attitude was, was filthy. Sometimes we, we, we can feel justified for that inner fi- filth, right? That inner filth that we have because our outer filth looks pretty good. We're, we're good. But the word of God says the inner filth will condemn you to hell just as much as the outer that seems to be more costly. See, the, the outer filth seems more costly, but... But, but the Bible doesn't make a distinction between the attitude and the action. The reality is a, a bitter heart is costly as well. Frozen anger in our bitterness 
is what causes us to be depressed. It, 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 it can cause us to be anxious and it can cause our death early because of stress. It, it, it can cause us to be angry with God and stay distant like the brother relationally from him and that can cost us eternal life. In, 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 inner filth can, can cause a lot of damage. And, and friends, we are all affected by sinners. So how do we avoid the cost of our anger. How do we avoid the cost of our anger? Well, the verse says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. That means we are to deal with or, or to process our anger. And, and this son did not process. He, he just grumbled and went to work like the Pharisees in Jesus' audience. And friends, grumbling is serious sin. Because grumbling is ultimately against the God that created all the little bros and sisters out there. All those little bros and sisters that annoy us, he created them. Just just read the the book of Exodus and Numbers, and you're going to see that the sin of grumbling kept people out of the promised land. They didn't get to go. They just stayed behind in their graves forever. They didn't get to go to the promised land which is a a picture of how our grumbling and our anger can keep us out of heaven. The Bible, uh, the the problem of grumbling is it's it's unrepented sin because we feel justified in our grumbling. Because sinners have cost us something. So we we feel justified in our grumbling. Bitterness in our hearts defiles us on the inside. It's not just us. The Bible tells us that, that, that bitterness is like a weed. It, 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 it's like gangrene. It, it spreads all over. The Bible says this, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So your bitterness is not just staying inside. It's going other places, your children and your family and your church and and your workplace. I, I wonder if the church in general is not as effective today in bringing lost sons homes because we have roots of bitterness that we're not dealing with or we're not aware of. See, bitterness keeps us from celebrating with the Father, what the Father celebrates. Maybe some of us who are angry at the sins of others, they are, are acting just like the big bro. We're, we're, we're just not interested in going to the Father. We're not interested in going to help the lost, those lost brothers and sisters of ours. We're not interested in them coming to life. What, what we're more interested in is the cost to us. i got to nurse this bitterness. So how do we not let the sun go down in our anger? Same way you deal with any sin. Same way. We could learn from our little brother. A little brother admitted his sin and his separation from the father, and he, he went home. And that's, friends, exactly what big bros need to do. The problem is we often feel so justified in our anger, and we feel justified in our bitterness, and, and so we don't. When we're angry, we need to learn to admit that we're angry. Or we'll fall into sin. Some of us have learned bad habits by the way we were raised. Maybe we were not allowed to, in our house to express anger because it, it made people uncomfortable or, or, or the people in our house thought it was sinful. But, but here do you see the Bible commands us, be angry, but do not sin. So anger is not sinful. It's, it's what we do with anger that can make it sinful. Hiding our anger, friends, is just as dangerous as exploding in our anger. Both will make you sin eventually. Processing anger, not letting the sun go down on processing anger, is what keeps us from sinning. Processing is admitting that you have it. 
And I want to tell you, honestly, for years, because of how I was raised and, and seeing how other adults exploded in their anger, I did not admit when I was angry. I was raised to be a good boy. And, and good boys, they don't get angry. And so when I naturally became angry, living in a sinful world, a broken world, I figured another way to get rid of it. I ate it. Literally. I would eat it. You can see, I got angry a lot. I'm a big bubba, big brother. Because of eating a lot of anger. You know, people sex anger away. Most of the people I've helped with a pornography addiction, the real root was they were medicating their anger. They had sex take away the pain of their anger. Others use adrenaline to deal with their anger, and they, they take great risks. Others cut themselves and self-harm to medicate that anger. Others shop, some work harder, some become unproductive, and they lay around depressed because they're not processing their anger. Man, there, there's a huge cost to what's going on inside your cup. Bible says, don't let the sun go down on it. Friends, admit it. Feel it. That, that, that's what I had to start doing. And you know, at first I felt foolish. I, I would literally sit there and I'd, I'd say, I'm angry. What does that feel like? I, I was identifying how I was feeling. And this is part of processing it. Not, not letting the sun go down on it, but just Feeling it, friends, is not enough. You, you do have to feel it to process it. Then you need to do something about it. To process, there's one option. There's two options, actually. The first option is, once you feel it and understand it, is to forgive it. Forgive whatever the offense was. And, and, and the second is, you know, you, you know I, I guess I won't go to the second first. You've got to accept the price of someone's behavior and, and, and choose to, to let it go. That's what forgiveness is, to, to let it go. We, we simply give it to God and know that Jesus already died for it, so the cost of it has been paid. This, the second option, though, and that's why I want to go to it, it's, it's trickier. It's called peacemaking. Peacemaking is when you go and, and you talk with the person you're angry with and hopes and hoping all the way to resolve it and to heal it. And if that doesn't work out, then you go back to forgiveness. Ignoring it, eating it, stuffing it, are not processing. And friends, that's what makes us bitter. Exploding in our anger also is not processing. That's what makes our others and brothers and sisters around us bitter. The Bible says that there are two types of anger that lead to more sin. No anger, no anger will lead to more sin. Pretending like you're not angry and becoming bitter inside leads to more sin. And there's blow anger, releasing your anger without thinking on other people. That will create more sin. Instead, the kind of anger the Bible commends is what's called slow anger. Slow anger. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. I'm sure the father is angry. Both sons have insulted him. Ultimately, their sin for both brothers is against the father. They express it differently. The little bro gets angry and he just takes off. The big bro gets angry and he stays close grumbling. Their anger leads them both to sin. The father's anger leads him to show them how to love. The, the, the father's anger moves him into action. He processes 
which is what he needs to do. And he, and, and he processes that, that, that we can't handle his anger. And, and, and so he sends his son to reconcile us. And it has a cost. His son has to die to satisfy his wrath for our sin. And this way, we will not perish in his wrath. He is slow to anger. He is a, abounding in love. He actively chooses to forgive us of our transgressions and pay the cost himself and he sends jesus our our true big brother to to pay all the cost for us little bros and sisters those little bros and sisters who wander far and those little bros and sisters who who stay near and grumble god's love trumps his own anger and 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 he just decides to forgive now, look how the father is going to treat this wicked-hearted big brother. He's going to treat him with love. The father came out and he entreated him. The father does not come out and rebuke the older son for his sinful attitude. Instead, he comes out with love to teach the big bro how to love with mercy. The word entreat in the Greek is the word parakaleo, which, which means to call to one side, to, to comfort. The, the father is comforting or, or consoling the son in his anger. He is helping his, his, his son see that forgiveness is, is better than bitterness. Don't get bitter, get better. Not, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison yourself, hoping that the rat will die. What's not forgiving costing this big brother? Well, that's not a good stake. Fatted calf, right? And the joy of the celebration in his father's house. But here, the, the big brother isn't interested in, in being comforted. He, he won't even hear his father. When, when, we're, when we're bitter, we, we stop listening to God's word. We start listening, stop listening to God. So the big brother says this, but he answered his father, look, look, many Years, I have been serving you, and I never disobeyed your command. And yet, you, you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. His first word to his father is, look. He's giving his father the hand. Look, I don't care what you say. He angrily wants to prove to his father that his anger is justified. Are you religious? And if have heard of all of God's words about being merciful to others? Are you religious and, and you hear all God's word about being merciful to others and forgiving others who sin, and you just ignore that? You just ignore it? And, and you're standing there with God saying, look, I'm right, they're not, and you're not. Or look, God, you don't understand what I've been through. Or look, I'm justified in my hatred of my brothers and sisters. You don't know what kind of pain they've caused me. I'm not listening to you, God. What's not listening to God called, friends? Sin. It's unrepented sin. It's unrepented sin. Why does the big brother feel justified because of his good works for many years i have served you god actually in the group is it's for many years i've been your slave that's what it's saying in the greek i've been your slave which is untrue it's untrue it's a lie the son benefits from the father's wealth he benefits every day from the father's wealth big bro is really angry with his father and he, he feels righteous as anger, even though he's a sinner like his little bro. And, and he, he lies to his father in what he says to justify himself. I never disobeyed your command. Really? Really? Yes, you were a more responsible kid. But really? Never in thought and deed you've never disobeyed God's command? Really? 
Come on. The Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Big bro also senses in his ingratitude and he lies about his father in his ingratitude. He's saying that his father is stingy. He's saying that God is stingy. The, the same father who had already given him two-thirds of his estate just for being born first because his little brother arrogantly demanded his own share, and so the father gave to both of them. Because of his anger, this boy's not in the truth about himself, unlike the little brother who came to himself and he admitted his sin. The Bible says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness you know the big brother has unprocessed anger and he gives opportunity to the devil that's what the rest of that verse says in ephesians uh, it gives opportunity to the devil to to use him to use him as an accuser of the brethren he acts as judge and jury of both the brother and the father and he starts slandering them but when this son of yours came who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Listen to what he says first closely. This son of yours. Big bro won't even acknowledge he has a little brother. The little brother's a mistake of his father. Right? Big bro is definitely not his brother's keeper, is he? He's his brother's accuser. He, he lies about the facts of the situation. Who has devoured your property? It was the father's property. And the good father freely gave the son his inheritance early. And then it was his. And yes, he blew it. He wasted it on earthly wealth. He consumed it in wild living. But it was the father's choice to give it to him. The father had faith in his son that he would come to himself and return one day. The father gave freedom to the son for his own purpose so the son might learn the pain of his own sin and come to himself and repent and be restored again by the father. The Bible says this, and we know that in all things, those who love God, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Maybe the father had a purpose in allowing the younger son to sin just so that the older son might learn to come to himself in his sin and learn compassion on other people. Maybe, maybe that was the father's purpose. The father had a divine purpose in it. When we get bitter over the cost of sin in our lives, we are saying, that God is not sovereign, that, that he's not working in all things, even in our pain and in the pain that other people cause us. I want you to think about Joseph and his brothers who, who sold him into slavery, but, you know, and, and, and he ended up going from slavery into, into jail and just a miserable few years. But later in his life, he recognized that while they meant it for evil, God used it for good so that Joseph was in the position to save his family and to save all of Egypt and civilization in a famine. God works even in the sin that has cost that other people put in our lives. And if we grumble about it, we're grumbling against God who's, who's doing something in our life through it. He, he, he says... You know, the big bro exaggerates too. He exaggerates, and that's what we do. We exaggerate the little brother's sin. He says to, about the little brother who, 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 who got rid of or wasted the wealth, he did it on prostitutes. Did it with prostitutes, man. Well, Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say that in the beginning of the parable. There's no word of prostitutes. He said wild and extravagant living. Maybe, maybe the kid bought magic beans from somebody i don't know but he we don't know how he got rid of the money jesus doesn't tell us you know he got tricked somewhere 
along the way. He got conned. I don't know, but, but, but the brothers, it's prostitutes. He was, he was with prostitutes. Now, that could be true. It's likely. But how does the big brother know? He's at work hard in the field. He's doing good. He doesn't know what his little brother's doing. He never tried to check out. He, he never even talked to the little bro or the father when he came home. The, the big bro, he, he just wants to prove himself more righteous by making the little bro look worse. And friends, that's a famous big bro move. We all know how to do it. It's, it's a big bro move called pointing out other people's sins so as not to deal with your own. We all, you know, think of your kids in the car. He's touching me, he's touching me, he's touching me. And then the one kid, whack, you know, and then the, the one that whack got in trouble. But, you know, we, we want to point out other people's sins. We don't want to admit to our own. Maybe, maybe he mentions prostitutes here because that's what was on his own perverted mind and heart. Maybe that's what he sought to do to medicate all his anger. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Sometimes we angrily accuse others of sin to cover our own shame about our own lusts. Lust is something inside that makes us filthy inside. He's not in the truth. So, so maybe... His imaginations are sinful. He's got more imagination. He says, you never gave me a goat. The state was the big bros. The father had given everything to him. Two-thirds of the estate, everything. He could celebrate with a goat anytime he wanted to. But maybe because he was judgmental, he did not have any friends to celebrate and eat a goat with. And it was his choice to work hard all the time. He was working hard not to help the father, but to help himself. It was his. Property was his inheritance. The father freely gave it to him. He gave him everything he had, and it was the big bro's responsibility to steward it. When we complain about what another has gotten, we, we disrespect the Father who has given us all so much. He gave us our life, and He's given us all an eternal inheritance. Anyone who's above ground can say that God has offered us, He's given us an eternal inheritance, whether we choose to accept that or not. Yet, big bros, even though they, they got it, they don't appreciate it. Being ungrateful for what you have, what, what you have been given by God, friends, is the root, the root of all sin. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, because they became, and, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The Pharisees knew more about God than anybody else. Most of them had five books of the Bible memorized. But they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The big bro is inside really committing the mother of all sins here. This is exactly how the world that we live in came into sin. Adam and Eve were not grateful for what they'd been given. They'd been given a whole world, and they had dominion over it. And, and Satan deceived them to believe that they should have more. And big bros are often condemning all the little sins of their brothers and sisters, and they're blind that they're committing sins themselves. Read the rest of Romans 1, and you will see without gratitude and honoring of God, sin abounded everywhere, inside and out. Yes, neither son was grateful to the father, but the first son recognized it, but the second did not because he felt just self-justified in his own good works, how, how good he was. The, the Bible says it's impossible to find salvation that way. 
if you feel self-justified in yourself. Because the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing, but it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2.8. We have everything given to us by our Father, including our salvation. It all comes from the Father God. Can you see now that the, the big bro is, is pretty wicked here? But, but I want you to also see he's not rejected by the father. The, the, the father pursues him. And he says to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. The father calls him his son. And in the Greek, this is an affectionate address. And in the original language, uh, the father is saying, my child, not not my ungrateful little brat. He's he's saying, my child, my child. The father is comforting the son, even in his entitled and his ungrateful attitude towards the father. He's helping the big bro, the, the, the religious, see that he's been given the greatest gift. You are always with me. The problem is the big bro worships the father's stuff, not the father. Again, this is the mother of sins, according to Romans 1.25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Big bro worshipped his job in the field, not the father. Remember, he didn't even have time to come in and talk to the father. He worshipped the calf, the, the wealth of his father, not the father. He condemned the father in his anger while enjoying all his stuff, while grumbling. He had no gratitude. But look again at what the father says to him. Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. Wow. Everything the big bro wanted was in his father, in a relationship with his father. And his his father desired him to have all things. He desired him to have the best things. Psalm 37 is one of my, four is one of my favorite verses. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. And and the rest of the psalm is an encouragement to be patient when it seems like sinners are getting ahead of you. You you just trust in the goodness of your father. It's a command not to fret ourselves because of evildoers like our little brothers or sisters. Because our our jealous anger only leads us to more evil. It says, refrain from anger. And And in verse 8 of Psalm 37, it says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Beloved, we all feel the injustice of living in a broken and sinful world. Sinners, man, they're expensive. We're expensive. And, And other sinners are expensive to us. But we are to learn to be patient and wait on the abounding love of our Father, for He will give us everything, even justice. The the friends, um, uh, or friends, the, the, the Father's business is not whatever's growing in the field or, or, or what's growing in your bank account. That's not the Father's business. The Father's business is love and mercy. And he wants all his sons and daughters to join him in the family business. Ultimately, friends, that's what proves we are his sons and his daughters. Look what the Father says. It it was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. It's fitting. It's a proper thing for sons and daughters of God to do, to celebrate, to celebrate and and give mercy to the lost in our family and in our friends. 
It's the family business. Love of the family is what brought his brother back to life and restored him as God's family-like love. The father then gives us all a, a spiritual reality that, that without a relationship with the father, we're dead. We're already dead. Without a relationship with the father, we're already dead. Big bro is now dead without a relationship with the father. And so was the little bro. Both the sinner and the religious Pharisees who are grumbling are dead because of their sin, both inside and out. The, the religion, the good works of the Pharisee can do nothing to bring them to life. It is only the love of the father for his children that can do that. The cost of the fatted calf doesn't matter to him. He wants to express his love. A loving father, father will endure any cost to bring his sons and daughters back to life. Jesus, the father, will give his greatest wealth much more than a fatted calf, his very own son for us. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, that's anybody, whoever, whether you're a big bro or a little bro, believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. A, a feast, a fatted calf, gave life and joy to everyone who was at the party. Uh, a fatted calf was usually swatted sw- slaughtered for a a wedding feast all came and celebrated the father's joy jesus will give life to all who partake in his death he was killed to show the love of god our father to show his mercy to sinners but jesus is not a cow he he's god and and he did not stay dead he, he rose from the grave three days later to prove it. The Father's plan from the beginning of time is that we would be like his son. Romans 8.29 says, For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. And friends, whether you're a big bro or a little bro, our father, he cares about you. And he sent our big brother, Jesus, to die for you so that he can celebrate with you your new life. Now, now Jesus' parable here, it ends on a cliffhanger. We know the little bro was restored. It's a good, happy ending. And there was a celebration of joy, but we never see the big bro, go to his father and go with him into the party, which represents the joy of heaven. And friends, that doesn't mean he doesn't. Luke ends all of his parables parables about the Pharisees on this kind of cliffhanger. And, And it's not until the book of Acts that we see a lost big bro son someone who is religious and 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 self righteous, the apostle Paul. He, he was the chief of Pharisees. He was the most brilliant Pharisee. But he was a terrorist to the little brothers and sisters. His, his, he, he, would, he would try to kill Christians. But then one day on the Damascus Road, he, he came to himself and he repented. And, 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 and he was celebrated as a son of God. And, and then he went to all of his Pharisee brothers and sisters and said things like this. This saying is trustworthy and it deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. This boy finally came to himself, this big brother. Today, What will you trust in? The wealth of your character and find yourself eternally bankrupt in hell apart from the Father? Or today, Pharisee, will you turn like Paul and come home? Start processing that anger and and either giving it up, forgiving your anger against sinners or, or working things out with them. And, and, and be grateful to your father 
And, and focus your heart not on what, what sinners do to you, but be, instead focus your heart on the gratitude to a father who calls you a precious son and daughter. Focus on that and live. Today, the father is entreating you. He's entreating you to join his joy forever. He has given you everything because he has given you himself. And he, he promised to always be with you, whether your sin leads you far or whether it's near. He is pleading with you to come home and, and share with him in the family business of love and mercy to all. All the other little lost bros and sisters, come join him in helping him bring them back to life. Let us pray. Father, Thank you for your word. It's so crystal clear. And Father, help us. If we're feeling angry today, if we're feeling bitter against people to, 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 to do the right thing right now and forgive. To let go of that anger. And if, if Lord, you're leading us to go and, and make things right with somebody, Lord, send us. Send us to do that. Oh, Father, let us be true sons and daughters of God. Let us follow in the family business of love and mercy. Father, if there's any lost sons or daughters here today, whether they be near or far, may they do the same thing. May they admit their sin today and turn to you. And Lord, you will do the work. You will restore them. You will make the sacrifice for them. You will clean them and make them new. Put a ring on their finger. Put, put a royal robe on their shoulders. Give them shoes to stand without humility in the Father's house. All their sin and shame will be gone. And you will make them new. Father, let them turn to you right now and say that they believe that Jesus died and rose again to forgive their sins and give them everlasting life. And may they commit today the best that they know how to follow him, to be in the family business because that's their inheritance. To love the world, a world full of sinners and show them the Father's love. We praise you for Jesus, for what you're doing right now in our hearts cleaning the filth out and letting us be clean and new. We praise you, Jesus. Amen.